Hello everybody, welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 7, issue 336. It's Resident Evil 4, again. Yes, we'll tell you some more about that in a moment, but play along with the show. The next five podcasts we plan to make and record and put in your ears include Def Jam, Fight for NY. After that, it's uh, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, then Far Cry 2. Following that, Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth. We should probably put a little warning in for that one. If you are playing along <laughs> yeah. with the show, uh, the PC version is really, really sketchy. Uh, and <laughs> there are ways and means to get through it, but it's not all entirely reliable. So do look into that before committing to it. Uh, otherwise, you'll want the original Xbox version. Just a heads up there. Uh, after that show, we'll be coming back to this series with our Resident Evil 5 podcast. com. we've had a few requests and queries recently to our social media and other points of access saying, where do I find out about this stuff? When are your recording dates? How do I contribute? I always say at the start of the show, com, and in particular, the forum. That's where the hub of all our activity is found. Uh, you can get the show, each show, a week earlier than non-subscribers and support us and get our uh, gratitude for the tune of just $1 US dollar a month, uh, which will be taken from your account in whatever currency your local currency is. Uh, you will also get our format specials, which uh, where we're doing a single console or other platform once every three months you'll get those three months early we've currently done just the one mega drive show but we're doing a playstation one show very soon uh, and you also get a monthly cast which is jay and i which is uh, sort of expanded out from what we were planning on like a 20 minute show it's now more than an hour it has been recently so uh, we think that's another little perk so yeah do get over to patreon.com and help us out with a dollar patreon.com slash cana rinse sound of play is our other podcast which you really ought to listen to if you like this one you can subscribe review and rate podcasts on whatever platform you get them from and naturally we have social media outlets facebook instagram and twitter now, joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 336, are Carl Moon. Hey, guys. Leah Haydu. Leon, help! That's not bad. Not <laughs> Thank bad. you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> just, just, that's, I've never heard, I've never heard you go to that, that register very before, good. Leah. Yeah, yeah it, um, it, it doesn't happen often, but, uh, you know, I can, I can. But we know you're having a good time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. So yeah, uh, first thing to address, I already mentioned it. We covered Resident Evil 4 way back, can you believe this, seven years ago, pretty much, not quite, uh, six years and 11 months ago. The podcast was released. It was our second ever Cane and Rinse uh, show proper, uh, October 2011. The uh, The panel consisted of me, I was the host, along with uh, Jay Taylor, uh, the long since departed Darren Foreman, but also Joshua Garrity, who's obviously still with us. Uh, and yeah, it was a, a show about Resident Evil 4. It was very early in the Kane and Rince days. We, we basically established the format. Um, I know Sean's been back and has had a little listen and he was saying that, yeah, it's like it's recognisably a Kane and Rince podcast. It's not like uh, everything thing as you know we didn't we didn't throw the throw the uh, the early shows aside and and change everything about them but uh, i think what you may have here you, you you'll have a different perspective you'll have a, yeah. a, a different set of panelists obviously seven years have passed the industry has changed our taste may have changed so yeah it should be interesting 
if there is some repetition, I apologise. But the way I made this show was to not consult either the show notes. I don't think I have them anymore or the original podcast. So there may be some crossover. uh, But overall, we're going to I've treated this like as if it's just the next show in the Resident Evil series. So that's what it's going to be. Also, uh, parental advisory on that first on that original episode there. Very good point, Sean. Yes, uh, for the first hundred Kane and Rinch shows, if you've only joined us recently, uh, we were explicit and then we decided not to be explicit. So, yeah, if you want to listen with your kids, this is the show to listen to, not that first one. Uh, sweary pops uh, everywhere, I'm sure. Uh, so, yes, the developer, of course, was Capcom Production Studio 4. Uh, the earliest version of Resi 4 was... Uh, the game that became Devil May Cry, directed by Hideki Kimiya. We talked about that previously as well. Uh, they kind of started development over at the end of 2001. It was officially announced November 2002 as one of the Capcom 5 for the GameCube. Uh, eventually, development uh, was moved to GameCube after the game had originally started on PS2, of course. Uh, that was the first version to feature Leon S. Kennedy as the protagonist. Uh, the game's main menace was to apparently have a hook hand uh, and you can actually still see that uh, is still implied or reflected in the final logo for the uh, for the Resident Evil 4 that we all know. There were several more versions created and cancelled before Shinji Mikami took back over and transformed uh, Resident Evil 4 into the game that we all know and many of us love. Uh, of all those different builds, only one of them was ever unveiled. You can find footage of it out there on YouTube. I believe that was something we did talk a bit more about on our previous Resi 4 show. Uh, the, uh, the fact that there were some supernatural elements uh, and yeah, it was quite a different looking game. Uh, and also early in development, according to uh, Moby Games, the game setting was going to be Japan rather than Europe. So they definitely decided to move from the USA, but uh, but it was a later change to, to take the setting to Europe. Uh, the designers on the game include Hiroshi Shibata, who uh, since worked on Bayonetta, Akami and The Wonderful 101 as a member of Platinum Games or uh, previously the uh, Clover Studio. Uh, Kuji Kake, who's also got Clock Tower 3, a bit of a cult classic, and Dragon's Dogma, uh, a beloved game of some of us at Kane and Rince on their CV. Uh, Shigenori Nishikawa works on Mad World Vanquish and The Evil Within, which is a game we were talking about uh, behind the scenes at Kane and Rince recently. Uh, we'll talk about the music, but the composers were Misao Senmongi. Uh, her work includes Devil May Cry, the original, the Resident Evil 2002 remake that we've already covered, and Tatsunoku vs. Capcom, which we covered in our uh, Marvel uh, Capcom vs. series show, I should say. And also Shusuku Uchiyama, whose other credits include many things, but also uh, among them Mega Man X3, Mega Man 8, PN03, and Devil May Cry 4. Hmm. So the first version of the game to come out was the North American one in uh, January. 2005, January the 11th, it had a, uh, a mature 17 plus certificate. Uh, the reason we're mentioning this uh, will become apparent. Uh, we're going to hear a lot from our, uh, our regular correspondent and recent contributor, Camille Rousseau, because he is a massive fan of this game and he knows a lot about it. So uh, I've 
interspersed his rather insightful observations in the podcast. Uh, he says the original American GameCube version of this game is an, quote, unpatched version of sorts that has a handful of small differences in enemy AI, weapon statistics, as well as enemy and item placements, which makes it the version of choice when going for specific mercenary scores. The European and Japanese versions came out weeks later, incorporated the changes and formed the template that all subsequent versions of the game have since been based on. Uh, the Japanese version arrived, yeah, two weeks later, pretty much in uh, January 27th, 2005. It was an 18 certificate, but censored. Uh, I'm not sure if this was by choice of the developer or uh, by demand of the powers that be, uh, but uh, it has no beheadings or head, uh, head popping, you know decapitations of any kind so even when uh doctor whatever his face is runs up with the chainsaw and chainsaws leon leon's head off in the other versions uh your head stays atop your shoulders in the japanese version which is uh, slightly peculiar and i would say <laughs> slightly off-putting um one other curio about the Japanese version is that for the Ashley sections uh, or section where you where you play as Ashley in the castle, uh, it actually reverts to traditional fixed Resident Evil style mm -hmm. camera angles. Uh, all other versions sort of have Ashley in the same over the shoulder style as Leon, which is obviously one of the big changes for the game. And for whatever reason, they decided to retain it in Japan, but change it in the West. Uh, the PAL version arrived in March. Of course, we had to wait a while. We did get a 60 hertz option, so we weren't getting an inferior gameplay experience, at least. The game launched to pretty much rapturous reviews, 96% average across almost 100 outlets, numerous Game of the Year and other awards. It remains right near the top of both the game rankings and Metacritic uh, you know, kind of highest rated games of all time in its original incarnation. Uh, and uh, still looking at contemporary user scores on different sites. We've got a 9.4 on Nintendo Life, 9.3 on IMDb, 4.55 on GameFAQs and 4.2 on Moby Games. Those last two are out of five. Um, Capcom reported that the GameCube version sold 1.6 million copies worldwide uh, as of June 2016. But in terms of how many downloads the games had now that it's available on umpteen formats and it was released on the Wii and it was released on the PS2 as well. Um, it wouldn't even surprise me that even though it's widely regarded as an inferior version, including by the people who made it, the PS2 version probably outsold the GameCube version. <laughs> I don't know. But there were a heck of a lot more PS2s in homes than GameCubes, right? So it stands to reason. Despite it widely being regarded as an inferior version, including by the people who made it, the reviews for the PS2 version were similarly uh, glowing and it also averaged 96% when it came out uh, in the last quarter of 2005 but generally there are I would say and we'll get in, into this a bit more there are definite pros and definite cons to every version of this game but I would say that the one that doesn't really have any pros uh, other than like iOS and Android would probably be the PS2 version I'd say that's the version that you'd almost certainly want to seek out the least not least of which because the controller uh doesn't really handle uh that game particularly well because of the massive dead zone on the dual shocks uh analog sticks there you go uh alex 79 uk from the forum says i loved resident evil 4 from the creepy huts to the shooting gallery to the weird shopkeeper who always seemed to turn up just as you need him resi 4 is a brilliant game and reinvigorated the series massively after it had grown a little stale uh super user from the forum 
this is a slightly middling take. Uh, we always like to stress that there is no one single opinion, even if there is a critical consensus. Superuser says, Resi 4 was my first horror game, a genre I normally loathe. I realised over the course of playing it that the only horror I felt was from the constant desperation. This is established from the brilliant village sequence at the start of the game, which was a perfect way to open an experience focused on awareness of your surroundings, your limits, and really made you feel like you were in deep trouble. It gave me a thrill I can only get from stealth games, and I was hooked. Apart from a few tiresome and occasionally frustrating sections in the castle, the game was well-paced and new ideas didn't outstay their welcome. It had a rare quality I found in a series like Half-Life, where just a few minutes of play felt like you had been on an adventure instead of spending hours to get the same feeling like in most games. If you feel like variety is the spice of life and want a game that treats your swaying attention span well, give it a try. I think you'll like it as a masterclass in highly authored linear game design. It may not have any standout areas, but few can deny it isn't a competent game in virtually all other aspects. Uh, and I like that because it's the most middling review of Resident Evil 4 I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, it's either, yeah, the best game ever or something like this, which is quite a commonly held feeling as well. Third drawing from canarince.com slash forum. I've never enjoyed or finished Resident Evil 4. I've always preferred more fantastical horror, Night of the Living Dead, Evil Dead, Hellraiser, etc. Good old-fashioned monster movies, and it's why I loved Resident Evil. Resident Evil 4 shifts the series from being monster movies to something more akin to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've never enjoyed these sorts of horror movies. I've never liked that shift in tone for the series, and it's where the series lost me as a fan. I've tried multiple times to finish the game, PS2, PS3 and PS4. It was tonight I realised I'm never going to finish this game for the other reason I don't like the game. The controls. At best, the controls in Resident Evil 4 are a stopgap, a half measure between old tank controls and more modern ones. By the time of the original game's release, most games were letting you manipulate the camera yourself. So to have the camera sort of flail around when I instinctively use the second stick to see what's behind me is frustrating. The last two times I tried to play through, I got to the siege of the cabin with Leon and Lewis and I just gave up because it was too frustrating. And I can't even imagine trying to play the game as an escort mission with Ashley. That really sounds like the true survival horror. I don't think I'm being unfair when I've bought the game on three separate systems determined to finish it. I finally admit that it has conquered me and I'm just going to listen to the spoilers on this podcast and be done with it. <laughs> now, I will say that I I had not touched the game for a number of years uh, before picking it up uh, again to replay before this recording. And... I had a really rough time getting back into the controls. I, I got there after maybe my first sitting, but wow. Um, I, uh, yeah, that, that, that right stick, you don't really realize how much you miss it until you've had five or six years of not having that particular control uh, be an issue. You know, you've, you've just been going, and then you come back to this. That, I 100% I agree with that. Uh, and I did get used to it, but it, it's... It's tough. Uh, the the half measure thing is an interesting way to put it, and I think that I do. Uh, I, I I like I like that as a way to uh, to kind of say something there. Let's find out what we actually uh, think of it as we go along, but start off with where we started playing it and how we've played it, and so on and so forth in the usual fashion. Starting with Leah, I, I have seen Resident Evil and played Resident Evil so many times that I 
it, it, it kind of just feels like a weird osmosis thing. Like, I, I don't know whether that's just because I watch too many Let's Plays or speedruns or whatever, but um, I'm, I'm not actually sure that I finished Resident Evil the first time that I, Resident Evil 4, the first time that I played it. Because I, di I know that I didn't pick it up at launch, but it was pretty close because the first version that I played was definitely the GameCube version. Um, and I don't think that I finished that version because I was not, very good at that type of game at that point, which is not to say that I'm great at them now, but uh, better than I was then. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't recall finishing it at that point, but I've, you know, I've seen, uh, I've played various chunks and have seen various uh, other chunks played by other people. And this most recent time I played the uh, Xbox One version and I'm pretty sure that I own at least I can think of at least three versions of the game offhand that I own. It's yeah. probably more than that. I think it's just kind of one of those games that, like, they just kind of appear in your library, and you might not always be <laughs> entirely sure how, where they came from, but it's just become so ubiquitous almost that like I, I think that it would be difficult to find someone who didn't have at least some kind of knowledge about Resident Evil 4 who was into uh, into gaming uh, and I personally didn't really have a history with the series before I think this is pretty much the first one that I tried to get into so maybe I'm part of the now it's popular problem but uh, it was definitely not the first one I finished but uh, it was it was one of the first that I really kind of tried and, and got into Sean. So, shock, my uh, my memory is a little hazy, but I did have the uh, GameCube version way back in the day because I, I had a GameCube specifically only for Wind Waker, like it was just my Wind Waker machine. <laughs> um, and then uh, Resident Evil 4 comes out, and I wasn't really following that many games at the time, but I was clearly aware that this was going to be a thing coming. And um, I, yeah, I picked it up on GameCube, and I don't... I. Do not know how many times I played it. It's just been and probably more than any other game that I've played other than like, you know, when I was a kid and playing, I guess, Mario uh, a few times. Yeah, really um, short games that you can just run through. This Exactly, this, yeah. This, this is a game been... that's fairly epic in length. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I, and I played it a million times then and, and since have, like Leah was saying, like I picked up, um, I own more copies of this game than anything else. I have it on... Yeah. GameCube, I have it on PS3, uh, Xbox One, PS4, PC. Um, so yeah, I just uh, I'm just gonna give it away now. A very big fan of this game. So that's good. That's that's all right. Yeah, uh, Carl, do you remember first getting Resi Four? I do. I don't remember the date, but I do remember specifically buying it. Now, it's unusual for me to actually come on this podcast and not get something day one. And the reason is, um, back in 2005, I was a real stubborn twit. Now, that vowel is completely interchangeable <laughs> with another letter, if that suits your agenda. But uh, it stands true for what I was like in 2005. Um, because, quite honestly, it looked superb, but it was not Resident Evil. Um mm. And it drove me mad that people were getting excited over a game that was clearly no longer what the... You know, it, it's one of those things. It looked good. I wish they'd called it a different name at the time. Mm. So I kind of ignored it, and I picked it up at a later date. Um, it came with a nice metal chainsaw keyring, which I uh, did actually <laughs> quite quite appreciate having on my keys at times. Um, it was it was so only edgy. small. It wasn't actually a full-size chainsaw. That would have been so much cooler, um, albeit a bit more awkward. Uh, and got it on the GameCube. 
and and sort of played it here and there. I'd seen footage of it playing. Uh, loads of people talking about it at university, um, praising the heck out of it. And it's strange. I loved so much about it, but then part of the you know the the stupid thing on my shoulders going, you can't like this game. It's not Resident Evil. You know, it it's doing this well. It looks great. The environments are cool. Like over the shoulder, like there's so much more freedom. But it's not Resident Evil. You can't like this. Um, and mm. so I didn't sort of stick with the game for for the longest time. And the only time I actually went and played through the whole game was because I was supposed to be on the Resident Evil Four podcast seven years ago. Um, and I actually <laughs> finished it. I actually finished it the night of the recording. Um, right. In fact, I finished it as Leon, uh, etc. were actually recording that episode. So right. um, that that's my actual history of when, you know, sort of it was done. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, that was the first time I actually stuck with the game. And hey, guess what? I actually really quite like it now. Um, yeah. But yeah, back then I was a bit too stubborn for my own good. Yeah, I definitely bought this day one on the GameCube. There was a even a limited edition, a rather tasteful uh, sleeve they did for game stores in the UK. I had that, but uh, like Leo, I didn't actually finish it the first time around. I probably said similar things on that seven-year-old show. Uh, I did think it was amazing, um, but I found it quite challenging and quite it made me pretty tense not not like scared in in this you know in a disturbed way in a silent hill kind of way but like the i did find it quite um yeah quite an experience and and quite oppressive and and it wasn't always something that i felt like doing after a day at work it's that kind of situation uh, but I was, yeah, I, I did think the game was amazing, but I could never quite bring myself to get all the way through the latter stages to uh, to actually complete it. I bought it again when it came out on the Wii um, because uh, that added uh, a bit more uh, real estate to the screen because the original version is letterboxed. Um, and it also added the Wii controls. And this is where I really, really got into the game uh, and I beat it multiple times. I went round and round and round. And funnily enough, because I transferred my uh, Wii system data over via the magic of Pikmin to my Wii U and then I re-downloaded the Resident Evil uh, Wii edition, Resident Evil 4 Wii edition to my Wii U, uh, the the save has made its way all the way from 2007 to the to the game I've been playing again this week. Um, mm-hmm. So I've still got all my saves that I've got loops of it done on all different all the different difficulty settings. All I've got all the different costumes. I've got all the unlocks. I've got everything, um, and so that all that progress is still yeah kind of there. And I remember looking at the do you remember the way the Wii used to tot up your game time on. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. On, on, yeah. The, on those records, mm-hmm. I looked at that before I kind of switched off my old Wii for the last time before I transferred everything over, and I think right up there, Mario Kart Wii was up there. Okay, not the best Mario Kart, but between me and my girlfriend, we played like sixty to seventy hours or something like that. Super Mario Galaxy, which I really, really adored, uh, was up there as well, fifty something hours. Um, Resident Evil Four was also up right up there, like yeah, like fifty, sixty hours, something like that. So yeah, I played this a lot, uh, and then subsequently bought the three sixty version, which I also haven't completed weirdly because I guess I I miss the the Wii controls, and we'll mm. talk about what that 
what that offers. Um, and I have the PC HD Ultimate, the 2014 version as well. And again, I haven't finished that one either. So the only version I finish is the easy mode version. And <laughs> I guess that means that I suck. But uh, I do like those. I, I do like those other versions. And I would have my intention was to finish both of those before recording. But uh, life and time again has not allowed me to do so. But I have I have played it across umpteen different formats. And uh, yeah, I've, I've quite a quite a extensive experience with the game um so here we were yeah post umbrella uh, you rejoin leon s kennedy who's obviously uh, connecting tissue with the uh, with the previous games uh, as are some other uh, characters such as ada wong and wesker uh, six years after that fateful first mission in raccoon city and resi 2 now a u.s agent uh, leon is on a top secret mission to investigate the disappearance of the president's daughter the scenario as such, as well as, you know, starting off absurd and obviously it's it's fantasy. It gets ridiculous. The people are injected with this uh, Plagueis uh, virus and it's a kind of parasite that turns them nuts and lives in their necks and bursts out their heads. And there are big trolls and uh, all kinds of crazy monsters in this game. You know, this is not a simulation. It's not designed to be taken that seriously. Yeah. Um, the 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 sort of the delivery of everything is like everyone involved seems to be taking it incredibly seriously, even though it's patently, the whole thing is patently absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's some super high camp, which, which, you know, I do think is actually quite entertaining. Um, but what, what is weird is like, I think, I think for me now going back to it, that stuff is more kind of quirky than it was more irksome than it was perhaps as well. But, but amazingly at the time and in, and once you're actually in the game like the silliness of it is replaced by the by the tension and the mm-hmm. rich dripping atmosphere of of the actual settings that you're put into for me anyway yeah it's a, it's a crazy accomplishment that they can have this like outstandingly stupid story and like ridiculous characters and awful dialogue and all of this still combined and yet still this is like one of the most tense games that i can think back on playing like I, I it's just it's the way that they can balance it and it's got to have something to do with the pacing of everything it's just oh, such a strange mishmash of of genres and i guess that that is one of the things that makes it true to its predecessors in a way because these are very similar yeah. things to yeah. what we were saying about the original yeah. and and the remake and i do feel like i do feel like this is more deliberate that way too like like i was saying before in the on the original mm. resident evil like i'm still not i'm still not convinced that they knew yeah, yeah. how dumb of a game they were making and like i kind of i feel like they, they they're a little bit more self-aware this time around yeah they upped the silliness in this yeah, one compared yeah. to zero and the remake didn't they? yeah they for kind sure. of went more down the lunacy path not talking about level design here just talking about the actual settings of mm-hmm. of the uh, of the game so from the village to the castle to the island um i think all of those are, are very strong. It's, surpri- it's surprising how I mean, yeah. It it sort of takes you from this uh, uh, this sort of rural um, Central European place to this kind of gothic, you know, absolutely cliche ridden gothic castle. <laughs> but it it's somehow, it, yeah. Again, I, I, there's so many things about this game where even after two podcasts, seven years playing it umpteen times that i feel like when i when i say them out loud it shouldn't work but somehow <laughs> yeah, every time yeah. i play this game i just cannot put it down it's just like it's got yeah. this and maybe that comes back to the the gameplay hooks which obviously will come on to but but i love the settings in this game um i love i love the creepy misty uh village 
with the with the Ganados in it, and I love the castle with the cultists. That that mm-hmm. genuinely still puts me on edge, even though I've played through the game multiple times. Um, the, the the monks in their hoods and and the guys with their <laughs> skull masks and all that kind of yeah. stuff. I guess the last section is probably the least. Um, the least atmospheric and it's kind of almost uh by this stage you're almost in kind of full all-out action territory as, yeah. as you end up on a kind of military area um but you've still got the uh the infamous uh regenerator enemies uh towards the towards the back end of the game which uh you know i think you know, even uh josh wrote a blog piece for Kane and rinse about them years ago i think many people have written about them and and talked about them as kind of one of the you know one of gaming's more unsettling uh antagonists and uh, and I, I would go along with that as well they, they they still they still creep me out so it's got the power and the atmosphere and and uh we talked in resident evil zero show about how we were we thought the the locations were getting a little bit stale we like as good as they were as well rendered as they were mm-hmm. we kind of felt like we'd been through all these before but here mm-hmm. even though you you do go through a sewer again and, <laughs> and stuff yeah, like the that lab and all that yeah yeah i guess it it's somehow they they freshened it up a bit maybe it's just the change in perspective or or just the change in gameplay flow but yeah, I, uh, every time I come back to this game, I, I'm looking forward to the next area kind of thing. I think that all of the areas work. Um, I will say that it's a little jarring occasionally going from one to the other for me because you you start in, you know, as, as you were saying, Leon, the, uh, the like rural kind of backwoodsy type um mm backwards almost uh areas and then you're in the castle and then you kind of go into what's essentially i don't know kind of a i guess it's about as close to call of duty as you're gonna get like it's not it's it's a war themed sort of you know you have enemies that are very clearly uh wearing battle fatigue yeah exactly for for that and it just they don't i I think that you uh, for me personally anyway i think that when i'm in it it doesn't bother me like it's not something that i would necessarily cite as a negative of the game but kind of looking at it from when i'm not playing it it just yeah. it, it is a little odd i i'm not sure that they quite pull off if you were just looking at it from the outside if they quite pull off the reasoning between going going from one to the other of these places it's definitely yeah. the the the, la- the latter third of the game also partly because i've re although i've replayed the game multiple times mm-hmm. obviously i've replayed the first half of the game many more yeah, times yeah mm-hmm. so it definitely sticks in my head less that that last part but yes it's the part it's the part i find the least um emotionally interesting shall we say in a strange sort of way playing resident evil 6 for this podcast i actually appreciate how good the design was in those environments in 4 Mm. Not just in terms of appearance, but in actual navigation, because the the, the yeah. areas do look quite good in six, but to navigate them is horrific. So when they've actually made this evolutionary change to the Resident Evil formula, they are kind of actually hit gold dust on how you actually play in those environments. So mm. it's just the right blend of open and closed and interior and exterior. It's even got verticality. So I'm thinking of just the first battle in the town where you're mm-hmm. running away from enemies. So you run into the house and you realize they can get into the house. So you run upstairs <laughs> and then they come in upstairs. So you desperately try to get downstairs to get out and you realize that things are actually happening around you. And it's yeah. just a really crafted arena of battle that mm. this kind of third person game 
I don't remember experiencing before Resident Evil 4. And quite honestly, there's many since that still don't do it as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. In environments, not just in terms of the actual fidelity and look of them being sold as convincing, but actually the physical design of having the player in there interacting and moving in that environment is really, really strong. Yeah, I think the level design is is one of the elements, especially when it combines with the combat, which obviously we're going to talk about, um, is is one of the things which uh, sort of makes uh, cements Resident Evil Four as you know kind of that that echelon, that top tier of game in terms of, mm-hmm. of people's hearts and minds and review scores. Um, obviously, I think you know some some things about it. Maybe that's more of a technical thing that we'll talk about. But yeah, in terms of just the actual. Uh, the flow through the level, the the piles that turn back on themselves. Uh, there's a real lack of backtracking in this game compared to its predecessors. It's not entirely 100% linear, but it's much more so than than the sort of the map map and mansion based yeah. games. You don't have to collect a map at all in this game. You've just got a map, and it's much more in, instructive and informative than most of the maps mm-hmm. in the previous games. Um, yes, there's verticality, which obviously wasn't really a thing other than people being at the top of bottom of flights of stairs maybe in some of the pre- uh, previous games mm-hmm. um that you can shoot people through doors you can shoot holes in doors and then shoot through the doors <laughs> yeah. you can block doors while people try to bash their way in uh villagers will try to erect ladders and climb up to upper floors um but yeah just in terms of actually just walking around even once you've cleared an area out or you're in a safe area um i still find these distinct sort of instances or whatever i mean they're almost, i guess it's almost like um i mean same developer but there's sort of a, almost a monster hunterishness about them these sort of uh you know like um sectioned off areas where there's gates front and back and you're in an arena and you leave them distinctly behind but those each one that you're in uh there's there's so many that i just yeah, just remember really strongly, partly because I've played, played the game a lot of times, but, you know, like the famous room in the castle with all the water, um, there's that whole sequence there. There's no loading either where you go from one room to another and uh, you have to, you know, crank up a staircase and then you have to uh, guard Ashley as she goes around and does some more lever action, cranking some more stuff <laughs> to the ground while you've Runs got enemies. Runs directly come. into enemies, screams yes. a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the the mine has got this hilariously cliched <laughs> but beautiful minecart uh, level. Um, mm. Yeah, obviously the early sections in the village. Um, yeah, just really nicely, consistently strong throughout. I think is yeah is what's mm-hmm. key is whilst whilst the opening Buried area is the most memorable moment probably of the whole game. Um, probably because it's the bit that you see the most. It's I would say that that level of design is pretty consistent throughout the game. I mean it. it dips here and there but that's to be expected but it certainly doesn't fall off a cliff like so many other games do we must talk about the art and the graphical sort of qualities of the game now this is an area which obviously is perhaps the most relevant in the terms in terms of the fact that we first did a podcast about this game when it was uh six years old the game is now the original version of the game is now 13 years old uh the industry has moved on what we expect has moved on our screens have moved on and while there now have been uh you know multiple versions of the game running at different resolutions and mm. on one level it looks horrific like it, on a technical level it's very easy to look at it and i think if i showed it to you know say a youngster who had no reference context mm. for what this game was what it meant what 
what it what you know when it came from i honestly think people would look at it now and go oh my god it it really <laughs> does look like ass it's a mess but it only takes me a few minutes of playing it to be completely sucked back in it's a complicated thing to get my head around but mm-hmm. i think for me like it's not a problem that it has age but it I'd, I'd say it has age more now than it had last time we covered the game oh, yeah. and it's also things like um the incredible lack of variety of uh human enemy types stuff like oh, that sure. where yeah. you yeah. really start to notice now that there's only like three different guys or whatever and and that starts to can just damage that immersion just a little bit because yeah the game the game is still the game that we played back then but other things we've played have moved our expectations on I think the thing that you've got with that is that Resident Evil 4 was a technical marvel when it came out. It did incredible things with the GameCube that oh yeah, we no probably doubt. hadn't seen before. Like it, it was mind-blowing. And technical marvels always have the furthest distance to fall when it comes because that's the reference point of what was possible compared to the when you see it in the next generation. So every time we go through a generational leap, um, we may get now the HD remasters and it kind of keeps it fresh for a while. But a lot of things are also hidden in sort of the the messiness of the original architecture. So having to see it on like a, a CRT that's, you know, uh, 480p at most. Um, yeah, 25 hides, inch screen or whatever. Yeah, it hides so many things compared to seeing it, like you say, drawn out on a UHD TV now uh, upscaled where... All the textures are sharpened, but they don't necessarily merge together, so things look a little bit awkward. Mm. Lights and darks aren't the same because, yeah. you know, we talk about graphics being muddied, but actually muddy was such a huge help to the GameCube and PS2. Some people actually so, uh, credit this game with um, sort of instigating the uh, the craze for brown games in, in the mid Yeah, exactly. For me, it's the total opposite. Like, I don't... I don't know if it's just because I have such an affinity for the game and, and such nostalgia for it that like every time I fire it up, like I just can't, I can't make that separation in my head of can't like see man, the this, age. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm aware that like you know, obviously the the facial animations are tough, but um, so I, I would also point out like the actual animation of pretty much everybody is still pretty good. Like yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of like when you when you're when you're shooting enemies and like you shoot them in the leg and they reach down at their leg or they fall mm-hmm. or they reach at their arm or Leon's um, you know his ridiculous jump kicks or you know if you if you look online if you look at if you Google on YouTube Google on YouTube if you YouTube um, come on uh, like best uh, reload animations Resident Evil Four is always the first one that pops up and it's oh, really? because yeah. oh yeah the reloads are ridiculous like some of the the, I've, um, uh, this is something I've never understood. Like people seem to fetishize this stuff. It's very niche. Yeah. It's mainly Americans, I think. There you go. That's yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I still think I think the animation still really holds up pretty well, other than the face. And, yeah, yeah. And um, and I think as far as the art design, like mm. as it is pretty flat. Like you, like as you said, you know, there's a lot of people who credit this for being like the brown game. Like it is, it is mostly kind of brown and gray. But it's at least consistent <laughs> throughout. Oh sure. From yeah. from start to end, and um, I think that helps at least for me keep me immersed as immersed as I can be in such a ridiculous game. But yeah, I should be clear. I still love the way this game looks overall, mm-hmm. but I am very conscious that uh, it it may not look so good to somebody who wasn't sure, there yeah. at the time but um yeah yeah 
just trying to bear that in mind. Of course. And yeah. yeah, as I say, when I when I do fire up the Wii version in particular on on my current screen, it does it mm. does. There is a little ooh, there's a little ooch yeah. uh, before you before you get playing again. So we must talk sound as well, because um, I think part of the very much part of the thing that drags me right back into the the game, the game world of Resident Evil. And as much as we'll, we'll wax lyrical about the flow state that this game engenders, part of it is the sound, um, the sound design they spent. Mm-hmm. I know they spent an awful lot of time while I while I might joke about not fetishizing reload animations. I might fetishize gun sounds. And uh, <laughs> there's some crackers in this game. Um, they yeah. were again, they were very advanced for their time. We were still in an era where gun guns in games would still often sound quite you know pop poppy or mm-hmm. or um you know just like library sounds or, or or poor foley work but in this game there's a good variety of sounds plus you know you mix in the squelchy sounds and the popping sounds and mm-hmm. the, the sounds of hitting different enemies do very good squishy <sighs> sounds yes very good squishy <laughs> sounds plus you've got the general ambience uh some areas there, there's a lot more use of just um yeah kind of not white noise but wind noises and stuff yep. which mm-hmm. i i really really yeah. appreciate uh really uh elevates the atmosphere compared to you know some some cheesy background music or whatever there are there are there are areas with music and i I think it's uh pulse pounding stuff as well but there's a lot of just environmental ambient noise chanting Uh, a lot of chanting chanting still creeps me out and compare yeah again we were talking about the zombie noises kind of getting a bit stale by the time of zero where they were still Mm -hmm. using the same or similar Mm -hmm. kind of yeah yeah, kind of groans here you've now got these people actually barking at you now you know i know a tiny bit of spanish and it doesn't take you long to work out what the different things are but the fact that it is in a language which you don't immediately understand necessarily if you're not a spanish speaker just makes it they mumble die 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 a lot yeah yes they do (laughs) yeah uh they call you one of my outsider yeah yeah it's it's one of my favorite things about the sound in this game is that is how they don't subtitle the, any of the Spanish that's yelled at you or spoken to you because I don't Leon speak any understand. Spanish. Well, Leon doesn't either. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I know a lot of movies use this tactic too, or like the idea is to yeah. put you in the boots of that character. So, you, you know, they're speaking this language at you and you can tell, obviously it's threatening language, but, um, yeah. In the or threatening words that they're saying that like language yeah. itself isn't threatening. But I remember um, thinking that that was really cool at the time because I I do speak Spanish and uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, just when, when he yells uh, "Iesta," that's basically there he is. <laughs> like oh yeah. yeah. And, yeah. it, and it serves not only just an in-world purpose like that, but also a gameplay purpose too, because as you're going through and like maybe you're not seeing the enemy to your right and as they, they spot you, they'll, sc- they'll scream that there he is, you know, and so you'll know to look to your right. Like, I mm. feel like it's a really clever use of sound that way because it's mm. serving both purposes. Yeah, audio cues yeah. are absolutely essential mm-hmm. in a game where you can't really look around very exactly. well. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it gave it a very different uh, sort of sound palette to its mm-hmm. predecessors, yeah. reminding you that you weren't, even though there was some zombie-like behavior, these weren't zombies canonically, and uh, mm-hmm. there were different things afoot here. Yeah. Uh, musically, uh, well, Serenity, the save room music, is one of my favorite pieces in all of video games. Yep. Uh, probably my favorite safe room music and there's you know there's a lot of those that i love um yeah otherwise um yeah use of music is is relatively subtle in this game compared to mm-hmm. the predecessors overall i would say um yeah as i say some pulse pounding pieces for certain scenarios in rooms um yeah chasing around cultists to a kind of you know fairly um sort of urgent uh 
sort of almost tribal rhythmic drumming mm-hmm. um, with sort of these, yeah, sort of white noise keyboard washes and things like this. Um, yeah, yeah all, all very effective stuff. Nothing which, again, there was normally one or two pieces in previous games where I would go, ooh, that's a bit, yeah, some kind of cheesy action music that didn't sound very... Yeah, uh, very very in place. But here, I think uh, I think everything kind of fits and works for me. Yeah. So I already mentioned the atmosphere, um, and I also mentioned that uh, I, I've definitely sort of found that as I've got older, I've found games less scary. I suppose just to to use the most obvious word, mm-hmm. uh, there are definitely games which do still tense me up. Um, and others which creep me out and sometimes a bit of both but a game like this um, there was there was a little bit I was playing even though I've played through it multiple times um, where I was just starting to get that little bit of uh, anxiety back uh, in a you know in a fun nice uh, enjoyable level of anxiety (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, you know rather than the chronic crippling uh, day-to-day stuff but again uh, what I thought that they did manage with this at the time and, and I think it retains it but obviously my experience is what it is. Uh, not everyone felt this way. They managed to ramp up the action, obviously to a huge degree. There are way more enemies attacking you at any one time mm-hmm. and from more different angles. And you're sh- you're literally shooting your gun way more often. You're collecting ammo more often. There's dynamite being chucked at you chucked at you and whatever else <laughs> it's a it's it it definitely has you know it is definitely leaning into the action genre more than previous games oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. the franchise but i found it at the time every bit as scary as its predecessors a lot a lot of it to do with that is the the sound that we've talked about but the you mm-hmm. know the overwhelming atmosphere of the place like i don't think that and i think dead space came along three years after this and and cemented this idea that just because you've got a lot of firepower and you've got uh you know in dead space you've got way more movement as well it doesn't mean that a game is no longer tense or scary or horrific Mm. there seemed to be this idea that among some gamers that unless you're only creeping about and occasionally encountering an enemy a game can't Mm -hmm. be scary but that's not my experience at all i would sum up the um the kind of atmosphere scariness uh, quotient of Resident Evil 4 by saying that I have always thought that slow zombies are scarier than fast zombies. Yeah, And uh, this kind of nails that for me because it's not that I mean they, they will do some kind of lurches towards you and um, mm-hmm. and of course are not technically zombies blah 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 but um, yeah it, <laughs> the where they're really dangerous is that there are a lot of them and they are going to try mm. and surround you slowly uh, yeah surround you. and that's slowly that's what's yeah. scary to me is that <laughs> totally is, yeah. is yeah. not not necessarily being able to control all of what is there I mean if you are dealing with um one by one or two by two enemies that are just running right at you, then that's a completely different game. But here they're going to try and flank you. They're going to try and send different types of enemies at you. They're going to come from behind you, you know, and, and that Chuck scythes at you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And there's nothing more satisfying than shooting one of those out of the air, by the way. I, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I find it unsettling because of that. Um, And it's not a big game for the kind of jump scares aside from those, unpleasant word snakes in the boxes (laughs) Mm -hmm. i had um almost forgotten about that and um i i I still remember getting one of those for the first time when i was (laughs) playing the game for the first time because i mean you you're 
just breaking boxes open to find stuff. You're not expecting for bad things to be in there. Yeah. And mm. when you break open a box and there's a snake there, it doesn't immediately attack you. It kind of sits there you for a, a second, second and you're like, yeah. yep. what mm-hmm. is that? And then it Coiled just jumps up. right yeah. at your face. Yeah. So that's um, They don't even do that much damage, but they No, yeah, but they're I, but they I, are I startling. Have... For me, speaking of like, you know, whether the game's scary or not, like there are there are different types of scarier, you know? Like yeah. there's scary like in this where a zombie's coming at you or there's a scary like in I don't know if any of you've seen it hereditary earlier this year like I that just movie bought the Blu-ray today. It it is it like it still haunts me like every night like I'm still oh, looking boy. around. Um mm. it's terrifying, but in a much more like subtle getting your brain kind I of way, it you to know. get me that bad, but it it sounded Oh, uh, really? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, oh, but it didn't man. it yeah, it didn't get me. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it still kills me. The, but like horror is a strange thing though, isn't it? It has such a strange effect anything, on different yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 but like jump scares on the other hand I can't stand them anymore. Like they, uh, they obviously they get me every time. Mm. Like the original Resident Evil still gets me, even though I know it's coming. The yeah. dog through the window, but um, like, I just I, there's nothing to them anymore. Like all, anyone can like quiet down the music for a second and then ramp it up and have something smash out at you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, this, so like, the, to me, the, the, easy trick. the Resident Evil Four, and really as well, no, specifically the Resident Evil Four isn't scary to me, but it is incredibly tense. Right. Like it's just it's yeah. all just tension for me, which isn't yeah. the same as like literally getting under my skin. Like I'm not going to go to bed tonight worrying about the chainsaw guy or girl, you know. <laughs> but I, I am when I'm playing it. I'm like, oh, here he comes! Oh God! You know, like it's, it's just it's. Uh, Matten's Zvi on this from the forum says Resident Evil Four was the first game of the franchise I've ever played. At the time, I wasn't into horror games at all. They were too scary for me. So I managed to gather four buddies at my place to play Resident Evil Four. We could pass the controller to each other every time we felt too scared to continue. As I write this, you might picture me and my friends as 10-year-old kids. Nope, we were in our early 20s. My friends came to my place twice a week and we finished the game in five or six sessions. It feels like a journey I had with my friends. The game is quite long and takes us to very different places and the story is creepy and silly at the same time. I like the enemy's design, especially their chatter and the hilarious fights we had with them. I remember standing on a tower and waiting for zombies to climb up the ladder and kick it down again and again just before they reached me. I'm sure I spent an hour on that tower. It wasn't the most effective way to kill, but the most fun. My favourite part was probably the lake with the monster. The atmosphere was on point and fitted perfectly when we played it in the fall of 2007. I'm not sure how well this game has aged. The quick time events felt fresh and not being able to move while aiming wasn't game-breaking at the time. After I finished Resident Evil 4, I was finally ready to play more horror games like Dead Space, Silent Hill 2 and Condemned, and survival horror turned out to be my favourite genre. So it was like a gateway drug for Matten's vibe, <laughs> uh, something that he could manage. Uh, we talked about the scenario. We haven't specifically talked about the characters, the cast, the script and the performances. <laughs> uh, just of note, American Paul Mercier replaces uh, Canadian Paul Haddad as Leon. Uh, Carolyn Lawrence, who plays Ashley, is the same voice actor as who plays uh, Sandy Cheeks in SpongeBob SquarePants uh, <laughs> and has done so for the last 17 years or so. Here's a little uh, one from Reprobate Gamer on the forum. My abiding memory of this game was my mum's reaction to it. She tried her best to ignore the gore and complained bitterly about Ashley any time she was on screen. At a later date, again visiting, she again found herself in the living room while I was playing through and again complained about Ashley, this time questioning why she was so noisy. Having having completed it a couple of times at this point, Ashley was in the suit of armour, so I made sure to save, told mum to watch this, and then proceeded to entertain her by shooting Ashley. 
Mum, who had <laughs> been disappointed the la- to find the last time that killing Ashley was an instant game over, was very entertained watching bullets reflect or whilst grenades knocked her satisfyingly to the ground, ultimately agreeing that whilst the clanking of the armour was annoying, it was better than her voice and being able to make cultists <laughs> collapsing when attempting to walk off with her was almost worth the noise. Yes, so Canadian actor Reno Romano is uh, Luis or Luis Serra. Uh, the Italian-American New York actor Sally Safiotti plays African-American mixed heritage Ingrid Hunnigan. Uh, Sally Cahill returns as Ada Wong. Um, prolific voice artists uh, with extensive CVs of, of cartoons and video games. Jim Ward and Michael Goff as Krauser and Sadler, both chewing up the scenery. Uh, and Rene Mujica, Mujica uh, is Salazar. Even though this one seemed to be more more written with a Western audience in mind and, uh, and the performances are definitely kind of earnest, uh, mm-hmm. There are some lines in here which have also gone down in legend, um, <laughs> such as Lewis's uh, comment on Ashley's ballistics, yeah. which is just per- just creeper as hell. <laughs> um, you've got... Hey, Ashley's kind of a creeper herself, uh, as we find true. out at the end of the game. Hell yeah. That is true. She's, yeah, she's discovered... I think she's meant to be 20, but she comes across as about... 16 15 yeah yeah yeah. that sort of thing not good there's uh leon's just i mean he is just the worst wisecracker i mean yeah just your right hand comes up bingo yeah Uh, yeah Yeah. uh, (laughs) i mean it's it's become again it's become it's almost it's become charming because it's such a it's kind of such a part of the experience it's hard to imagine this game with a sensible grown-up script like would it (laughs) even be the same it wouldn't be the same experience absolutely not be the same no no it's it's so much of the charm i I wouldn't change it but it is terrible but yeah yeah (laughs) so much of the charm of this game comes specifically from the characters in the script and i have a i'm not again like i'm not totally sure how much of it is deliberate i know like i can i can say like you know a lot of it is clearly deliberate more so than the earlier entries but i Mm. still feel like because this came from that like early 2000s 90s era where like big dumb action movies were still you know i guess i guess they're still a thing but you know a bit more knowing now yeah exactly there's much more self-aware even even fast and furious there's kind of a lot of winking to camera going on or any of these right uh dwayne johnson movies you you know that they they know that they're they're dark right this is still the era of like the matrix and everything where you know bending backs in slow motion is awesome yeah yeah Yeah. i definitely think my personal opinion is that the developers think that leon is really cool and yeah yeah uh i yeah I would think so too. And that Ada Wong <laughs> is super hot and that like Krauser yeah, is a badass. <laughs> they really, you know, they really coyly reintroduced a, in, introduced Ada oh, as yeah. if it's not immediately apparent who yeah. she is. Her first <laughs> yeah. shot, I'm pretty sure, is directly of her chest through the window. Of course it is. As she shoots them. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else to be said on the, on the, 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 the performances, script or dialogue? Have we said it? Just as bad as it's always been, really. I don't, but in the best no, Resident Evil way. I don't no, think I can get no, my voice no. up to that Ashley point again. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Save it for later. I don't think it's as bad as the old ones, though. Like, I, I really do think it's much more charming this time around than, than any it's, of the ones it, previous. To it. Yeah, it's. It, I think you're right, Sean, in that I think they they had a bit more of a sense of knowing this, but I still yeah. think that it was it was still perhaps more earnest than the material 
deserved. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's but fair enough. Without it, I can't say it's as bad. Like I genuinely can't because I'm just I'm I'm already flashed back into Resident Evil One. Yeah, like, I, I I can't. Yeah, it's better than that. It, <laughs> There's but it's no... still not good. Yeah, let's come on to controls and combat. Uh, so we've already mentioned, I think it's fairly famous, uh, well-known. We covered it in our previous podcast. Uh, there was a big change uh, in the engine. Everything's polygons now, although obviously we had already uh, touched on this with Code Veronica, but the viewpoint was this uh, quite tight in over the shoulder viewpoints uh, with minimal control over the camera, um, not fixed camera angles. Uh, the interface is really all everything's kind of different you're you're aiming with uh with an analog stick or on the pc a mouse or on the wii with a wiimote which changes the game a bit uh but yeah the gamecube version it was effectively a yeah uh, a kind of shooter in in that um in that third person genre um the things which probably come up most often as sticking points remain the fact that you can't move and shoot at the same time now it is completely baked into the gameplay that that is the case. Uh, I understand that. But uh, three years later, again, I'll mention it. I'm not necessarily saying that I think it was a better game because I, I don't. I, I really like the original Dead Space. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Dead Space proved that to me and I think to, to many people who played it, that having a character, having a protagonist locked into place and having very stodgy or or limited movement is not is not the essential to make a a scary uh, game where you're fearful of what's around you at all times, because definitely in, in dead space, even though I knew I could jump backwards or, you know, flip about or, you know, sidestep, whatever strafe. um, I was still terrified most of the time through that game. So I don't think it is essential for resident evil Mm -hmm. four to have this. Obviously it is essential in that that is the game that they made and everything is based around it. And when I play it now, it's fine because I've played it so many times. But again, I think as with the visuals, I think honestly, that's something that I couldn't, I couldn't honestly in in good faith say this game is a timeless classic because I think that a lot of people coming to it now, and in fact, we've already heard from them, would find both the the lack of camera control and the lack of uh, lateral movement and the lack of Mm -hmm. movement while aiming would actually be a genuine hurdle to enjoying the game. This might be another thing where I, I, it's hard for me to kind of separate my nostalgia for it, but I just, sure. I, the controls in this feel like perfect to me, but I think it's, it's like, I wouldn't be able to take these controls and put them in another game. Like mm. for me, they yeah. work specifically perfectly well for Resident Evil 4. So yeah, if that makes Based any on sense. the enemy AI and the abilities exactly, that they have. Exactly. The and the field yeah, of it's view. Com- it's and completely how- baked in. You could not just add a i mean there are probably pc mods out there but you yeah you couldn't add a sidestep or add a back a backflip without breaking breaking the game completely yeah 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 and and when enemies get behind like it it also doesn't feel unfair because like when enemies get behind you Mm. you know clearly you can't see them but they will have some kind of audio cue you might not you might not always hear it because there's so many enemies and so many gunshots happening not good for accessibility you know exactly yeah definitely for sure Um, something that probably I bet if they made it now there'd be some kind of visual marker like a yeah like a little red at least as an option yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah but I mean for me like when I played Resident Evil 4 like it's just everything just flows so perfectly and especially it's always about like halfway through where I just start nailing it like I can you get those um big giant dudes with the like they have like spike armor like they look like they're from a metal band like you know you can only hit their face those guys (laughs) like 
they're terrifying. Like they just come charging at you, but I can still like I pull up my rifle just in time and nail it just perfectly. And mm-hmm. it's just yeah, I don't know. It, it, everything flows so well to me. And then and I but again, like I was saying, like you take this control and you put it in Uncharted or something, and it would be yeah awful. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be right. And yes, and and vice versa. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, of course. I um, yeah, one thing, another thing that ages it, I think, uh, that sort of, again, didn't strike me because it's it's that thing that we try to do, which is trying to sort of, obviously, we, we keep our experiences and we, and we enjoy things as much as we enjoy them. But I also try to sort of review where, what I'm doing in a, in a game that's, yeah, however old they are and think, would, you know, would I be happy with this now? And something mm-hmm. that struck me was the fact that, obviously, to play this game well uh, involves a lot of uh, popping Ganados the yep. main enemies' heads once and getting them to stagger and then running up and kicking and hopefully <laughs> you've got a big group of them and you kick several <laughs> of them at a time yeah. and that yeah. in itself remains uh, tremendously entertaining uh, I think the actual action of sprinting over and kicking feels stiffer than it once did mm-hmm. uh, again yeah. compared to modern games but but the thing which really dates it for me is the that you're waiting for a giant button prompt to appear at the bottom of <laughs> yeah. the screen to say yeah. you're allowed to kick nowadays that would be done either with a visual uh, 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 an active indicator mm-hmm. on the enemy just mm-hmm. something obviously you know with with the extra power or pixels that the technology allows or it would be a uh, yeah like an indicator over their heads or something like that it right. would, you would not be waiting for a button prompt now um i think that's pretty clunky and and it's almost something that if they had done a proper remaster rather than a fairly quick and a easy port. Yeah. Uh, port i think that's the sort of thing that would actually benefit the game and actually yep. potentially improve it rather than yeah. uh, sullying its legacy or whatever yeah i think that, that kind of speaks to they they it would have been nice to have just a melee button you know that you wouldn't have to aim your yeah. melee you know like so that way if you just ran up and you can hit any the melee button he, he would do yeah. the jump kick or he would hit the knife out or you know well i mean there yeah. is a you can just knife things my, my preferred method yeah. of attack yeah. tended to be kneecap them and then run up and stab them while they're on the ground Ooh, okay <laughs> yeah yeah typically vicious uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, just if, i prefer to think of it as efficient <laughs> Uh, efficiency yeah definitely comes into play we'll come (laughs) on to the adaptive difficulty very shortly marco from the forum says in a time when i had far more disposable income and time this was the game i dedicated more time to than any other having played and enjoyed the previous games i welcomed the changes made for four the controls felt to me like a progression from the last game and weren't a problem of course someone shouldn't be able to run and shoot accurately it's just like real life if I found myself in an obviously Spanish anachronistic village surrounded by parasitic xenophobes hurling abuse and disturbing small men who can transform into hideous monstrosities, I would probably take my time and aim properly too. Realism. <laughs> uh, Camille says, whenever the topic of tank controls and the inability to move while shooting has come up on Kane and Rince in the past, I've heard it summarised as merely adding tension. While I think there is definitely some truth to that, I also think it's only half of the story. There are tangible mechanical benefits to these types of controls as well, such as how they force the player to quickly evaluate threats and to make strategic decisions about when and where it's safe to attack and when it's preferable to run away, instead of the one-size-fits-all blunt combination of both that tends to get the job done in most third-person shooters. Your exact positioning and moment-to-moment decision-making end up mattering a lot more in this game than in conventional dual analog-based games. I am not the best at shooters in general. Um, my, Mm. My method of attack is often, 
I, I don't move and shoot that much anyway, is, is I think okay. where I was going with that. Right. I tend mm. to, you know, you get myself you into use. a good strategic yeah. position and then, you know, do what I need to move if you need to. But I'm moving while I'm not good enough at aiming really to move and accurately shoot things most of the time. Yeah. Uh, so mm. I did not have a problem with that. I just I wished that I could have. Uh, a bit more in the way of camera control, but as I say, I, I did kind of get over that pretty quickly. So one thing I'm pretty certain we didn't talk about in our original podcast, uh, lack of awareness, uh, I think was probably the thing, uh, is the fact that Resident Evil 4, on its normal setting at least, and also it's easy, but uh, it's probably most relevant to normal, has adaptive difficulty under the hood. So yeah, this game has a, it's quite a complicated system that I won't even attempt to actually explain. Um, there are a lot of factors and facets. There are numbers being calculated on the fly almost every second. And depending on how well you do at different things, uh, it can change up a lot of things from stuff that's really obvious, like giving you more health and ammo or actually reducing the number of enemies in a certain section to even think doing things like changing the size of hitboxes or enemy behavior <laughs> to give you a better chance. There's an incredibly complicated and subtle system going on here. Um, worth looking up Mark Brown's video, uh, Game Maker's Toolkit, what Capcom didn't tell you about Resident Evil 4. He's absolutely right they didn't make a big deal about this the idea was that you wouldn't know you would just have a great gameplay experience uh, i think the review scores suggest that they got it absolutely right it was yeah. mentioned in a strategy guide that came out almost a year after the game did but yeah absolutely amazing uh and once you know it's there you can see it doing working its magic it's a bit like the the ai director in left for dead or something like yeah, that yeah uh but i think it's so much so much of that sort of X factor that I could never describe about why this game always feels so perfect and why I could always felt compelled to continue was the game is actually kind of just tugging you along ever so slightly yeah. or pushing the enemies back ever so slightly just to make sure that your level of progress is, uh, is as it as it should be. Now, pro difficulty, it's always maxed out. So if you unlock mm. pro difficulty and you play on that, Every, the sliders are always all at the top. So it's as hard as it can be and it will stay there. So that's great for the for the expert player. Easy yeah. does have the adaptive difficulty, but everything's way down. And Easy also actually cuts out big sections of the game or, or sizable sections of the game, like the maze, the the, the hedge maze, that's yeah. gone on Easy. Really? So Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep, yep. yep. So uh, normal, absolutely, for me, is the way to play this game until you're good at it. And then... Yeah. This adaptive difficulty thing is crazy to me because I, I didn't know this before coming into this so like my whole thing like one of my highest like ranking points about this the Resident mm. Evil 4 is that mm. it's pacing is incredible like to yep. me and to find out that it's kind of like almost improvised by this adaptive difficulty system is just mm. like I can't even I can't even I'm amazed by this whole thing that's so crazy. it gets you into this flow state where it always yeah. feels like you're you're under threat but you're yep. actually you, you it's making sure that it's giving you just about giving you the tools to mm -hmm. to proceed. Uh, and so, yeah, if you keep dying over and over again, it will start giving you more health items and more ammo and, and drop. Yeah. Drops me more. Even stuff like the chicken eggs, you'll get more of those if you're playing badly because <sighs> it knows that you need health items, stuff like that. So wow. uh, Stan Shaw from the forum says, 
Resident Evil 4 is the only game I've ever played three times in a row. I was living in China at the time and had picked up an imported Japanese Wii. Having exhausted almost everything released on the Wii at that point, I was flicking through the loose pile of GameCube discs at the Computer City Market to see what I'd missed out on back in the day. I got Super Mario Sunshine, Wind Waker and Resident Evil 4, none of which I'd ever played before. I ordered some spicy food, picked up a crate of beers and settled in for a long night with Leon. Although it was in Japanese and possibly because it was in Japanese, that first playthrough was one of the most engrossing game experiences I've ever had. I didn't make full use of the items and upgrades or collectibles, but I compensated with an intense focus on the mechanics, enemy behaviours and use of the environments, all of which utterly gripped me. Of course, I wasn't aware of the adaptive difficulty at the time, but I was struck by how I seemed unable to put the game down. While weapon upgrades obviously had an impact, I was also very aware that I was becoming better and better at the game as I progressed. Even as the challenge ramped up, I started to see the gameplay as an exercise in efficiency and precision. How could I dispatch the hordes with a minimum of ammo wasted? At this point, my appreciation of the game moved onto a different level, and so, when the credits rolled, I started it again straight away. Second time around, it really started to click. I was, it wasn't just rolling over my upgraded gear, although that obviously helped. It was that I'd gone from tentatively treading through the village, terrified of every cry of Aliesta, to thoughtfully manipulating the environment and the AI to create bottlenecks and unleash the roundhouse. To paraphrase Rorschach, I was no longer stuck in there with the villagers, the villagers were stuck in there with me. It's often said that Dark Souls, ding, reaches a point where the rhythm of romping through the world becomes almost relaxing. That's how I felt on my second run of Resident Evil 4. It's one of the greatest power fantasies in gaming, to my mind. The day after my second run, I went back to Computer City. And by sheer absurd coincidence, the Wii version of the game had just appeared, and it was in English. I didn't follow any games media at the time and had no inclination that it was even coming out. I was excited as I have ever been to play any game, even after back-to-back -back completions. Inevitably, I burned through it in that afternoon and evening, and with the precision and speed of the Wiimote and my accumulated experience of crowd control, I absolutely tore it up. After that run, I got into Mercenaries, which brought back the intense stress of the first playthrough and required all my accumulated knowledge and technique, and then much more. It made me realise how much higher the skill ceiling was, despite my sense of bending the game's systems to my will. And although I started a fourth run, I felt I'd probably reached my saturation point with the game, and I never really went back. No matter its arguable idiosyncrasies in 2018, it remains in my mind a wonderfully balanced, perfectly paced mechanical marvel and one of the greatest romps in the history of gaming. And there you go. So the enemies in the game, we've mentioned the Ganados, who are the humans, uh, also uh, with the Plagas, when nighttime comes, they, if they have red eyes, you might see the, uh, the, the parasite pop out of their necks. But there are no giant spiders, no tyrants, no hunters, no lickers. Uh, it's a bit of a change. There are some uh, insectoids uh, mm -hmm. and some giants and things like that. Uh, good fun bunch of enemy types. Uh, enough variety. Anything that you particularly like or, or got frustrated with? I mean, I do miss the classic enemies. So, you know, the, the hunters, lickers, spiders. Not having those in just felt like it was more of a separation from the franchise than it was for me. And I would have quite liked... At least something that hacked to those. But um, we are post umbrella here. This is the point. This is not umbrella are, testing but, I mean, on stuff. We're we're, we're dealing with. That's also another thing that I wasn't that keen on. That said, the likes of villages and stuff. Yeah, I really 
do like those as enemies as well. Mm. Um, just the sort more of models would have been good. Popping but, things. Yeah, that was I a think, technical limitation. I think yeah. where where it does come back to Resident Evil though is the, it still contains like all the body horror stuff. So you still yeah. have the the giant eyes as a as a weak point and. Um, people that you know, transform into hideous monstrosities exactly before, yeah, yeah yeah so it, like that's a it still keeps thing. it i don't know like for me I, I didn't really miss any of those those uh those monsters because in resident evil 4 by this time for me. yeah they've been done plenty of times and also like they the enemies that you get while they might still be mostly kind of humanoid like they're they're the way they come at you is different or they have different mm-hmm. weapons or they have you know different attack patterns and it just constantly changes even up to the very end so like to me it was always kind of fresh and new even though like their general design might be the same so i don't know i still had a great time with them and I, and and i can't I, that's the first time i've ever heard anyone say anything bad about the regenerator like it's, it's like I, it's i like to me they're it, like it's actually not even in this it's all it's hmm? all regenerators it's not oh, the ones sure. all, yeah like yeah. the ones in dead space also or, yeah it's yeah. not it's, yeah it's not like that it's uh, yeah. it's it's a it's a puzzle enemy isn't it but exactly it's also, yeah, you it's can incredibly still take these tense ones out yeah. as it creeps up to you and you put the thermal sight on and you have to shoot yeah. these uh, and it moves off just it. enough to where like you're going to miss like at least a couple yeah. of those uh-huh. shots yeah. and and that's just that's what kills me every time cuz like breathes, and it breathes yeah and that and little like quiet breathing reminds me like the the liquors or no what are they called in the last of us Clickers. Uh, clickers clickers there you go <laughs> Lick, yeah. clickers not lickers yeah <laughs> yeah they added a letter <laughs> uh i i completely uh understood what i think it was third drawing was saying earlier about oh god not this game that i already don't like has escort missions i mean yes <laughs> i can completely uh empathize with that sort of school of thought but yeah ashley the use of ashley here even though that this is now a 13 year old game um i've still played a lot of games where i've been a lot more upset and frustrated by mm-hmm. by escort missions than than this one um Camille, our correspondent, sort of uh, goes into some detail here. Uh, partner AIs in games tend to fall into two distinct categories. The first type type prides itself in being complex and incredibly advanced, but inevitably falls short of the designer's ambition and becomes a victim of its own complexity when observed in the final product, much to the irritation of the player. Sheva in Resident Evil 5 is a good example of this type. The second type is the invisible AI that only interacts with the world when it suits the player and stays virtually non-existent otherwise while this type is a lot less frustrating to witness than the first one it is guilty of breaking immersion left and right and amounts to little more than the developers throwing their hands up in the air and giving up on the concept of design integrity ellie in the last of us is a good example of this type what makes ashley so special it's that she is both consistent and reliable she's very much an integral part of the world and is subjected to the same rules that leon is which grants her weight and presence Unlike Ellie, the player has to look after her even during gameplay. But because she follows such a strict set of rules, she is also comparatively easy to plan around. Her pathfinding is simple and easily understandable. Unlike Shaver, she won't run headfirst into uh, and suicide into the enemies while carrying all your healing items. She does exactly what she's programmed to do at all times, which means she is never really an annoyance for the player willing to put the little time and effort necessary in order to understand how she works. She stays behind you whenever she can, ducks when enemies are nearby or when you aim at her and immediately follows the player's commands. Otherwise, dead rising, this is not. Camille, as always, makes some excellent observations about Mm -hmm. the the different types of enemy AI there. But um, Ellie may break immersion, but at least like some of the time you think she's actually a... Uh, a capable human being whereas Ashley just feels like a 
an object. So that is the flip side. It breaks yeah. immersion yeah. on the other side because mm-hmm. people yeah. are not that kind of malleable in that in she that won't way. run yeah. or hide on her own you have to tell yeah. her yeah. to do yeah. that yeah. otherwise yeah. she will just stand there and either let them carry her off or let them hit her or totally. whatever like yeah. she won't mm-hmm. try to get away from them and 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 overall uh, as i kind of alluded to before i do think that this is a well done uh instance of an escort mission but there are still issues with it i think the Game was released six years after, or yeah, uh, no, just over five years after the original Shenmue. Um, although Shenmue wasn't the first game that had QTEs, it dubbed it, you know, gave them the name QTEs. This game definitely has what you could call QTEs quite extensively, I would say, mm-hmm. including some rep- repetitious ones or ones that come up more than once, like running away from a boulder. Um, I would say that it dates the game, but it didn't because actually it seems to have inspired many, many AAA action games for the next uh, 13 years to include <laughs> QTEs, whether you like them or not. I mean, I, like, I don't like the knife fight with Krauser that's a QTE because you can just fail it instantly by just missing the wrong button, especially if you're used to playing multiple different versions of this. You're waiting for different button prompts mm. to the ones you necessarily see on screen. Mm. Um, Are you talking cutscene where it throws a knife in the middle of a cutscene? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be able to react yeah. to a button. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they add anything to the game, really. I, I could very much do without all of the QTs in this. I much prefer the the actual gameplay, but uh, there they are. You can't. I mean, you can't skip them. <laughs> no, it, it it's weird. They obviously act as a a link between game and cinematic approach, mm-hmm. in yeah. that you can trigger mm-hmm. a button and they can then run pre rendered animations yeah. or pre rendered animation cycles. Um, once again. Still something we're seeing. Yes. Still something we're yeah. seeing in God of War 2018. Uh, I guess so, some people like yeah. it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, I, I'm one of those people who I still like QTEs. Like, I'm, I'm the guy who likes Quantic Dream games. Like, <laughs> I like, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's something about this, like, being able to actually watch an, an action scene that is just not going to be possible in the in the confines of the gameplay that the game provides you. Like, you know, it's just to just be able to hit a button and, and keep going like i understand it doesn't really add much to there's not much skill involved you just it's just timing and and or re- recognition uh, or hammering yeah have you completed um, dragon's lair i have not no, no. there you go but you go yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. we blame don bluth for the cuties no, yeah, no no i yeah. mean there must be a reason that they keep getting incorporated and uh, you know yeah. even within certain triple a games i would say there mm-hmm. are cuties that are well uh, implemented and actually serve some purpose either gameplay or until or visu- dawn or, or is audio a game visual. that is basically all qtes sure. and i really yeah. like yeah. that game sure. so. yeah. but here when you've got this amazing i think you know this amazing flow state uh, yeah. beautifully yeah. balanced moment to moment gameplay i just don't think they they I, i'm happy yeah. just give me a give me a cheesy cutscene and then sure. get me back yeah. to the game that's fine yeah. i don't need that's them. fair enough yeah mm. completely inaccessible as well is my issue yeah, with QTEs. That's true. Like, yep. I like them as someone that can do them. Yeah. But yeah, as yeah. someone that's actually quite close to accessibility, yeah. awfully uh, implemented in the video games because yeah. there's so many Absolutely. people who just can't interact with them. Right. There are some also uh, more recently, and this would be a nice thing in the hypothetical, you know, complete remake with, uh, that have an option, an accessibility option to where you can just say, do not give me quick time yeah. events and, and yeah, they will yeah. just take them out and give yeah. you the cutscene instead. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
boss fights, mini bosses and bosses. Uh, Camille again from the forum says every single boss fight is brimming with little details. And while some of them are quite challenging, they are never outright cheap. Mm. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hold your horses. There's always a way to anticipate their attacks to better navigate the terrain or to find a more efficient way to damage them. My favourite has to be the Krauser fight in the Sand Fortress. He'll try to ambush you over and over again while you learn how to navigate the maze-like environment, each time varying his tactics a bit and using different weapons as the fight progresses, only to culminate in the final duel on top of the tower. What makes this fight truly stand out to me is that Krauser's hypersensitivity to knife knife attacks, as subtly hinted at by the preceding QTE. It's obviously a very challenging option that hardly leaves any room for mistakes, but if the player is willing to meet him head-on and force the close quarters combat they will be rewarded with a surprisingly short but oh so intense and rewarding knife fight between the two foes the end result being a boss fight that can be completed in three perfectly valid ways the easy way by using the rocket launcher the normal way by using conventional weaponry and the hard way by using only the knife with each option being available not through a menu or even through the game's ingenious adaptive difficulty system but as an organic choice through use of the overall mechanics Leah, you, you wanted to say something. I did not like the final boss fight at all mm-hmm. because I went no. into it with very little ammo and there's not really a way to get much more at that point. So mm. um, I had to do that fight a few times to make it the most efficient uh, yeah. uh, thing that you can, or the most efficient way that you can uh, that you can. Do. After Code Veronica, uh, every final boss in in a Resident Evil game seems fine to me. Although obviously I've still got <laughs> sixes and sevens to uh, to find. But um, yeah, I think by the time I'd played through this game like three or four times, I I had I had the measure of, of all the bosses. Um, I like the there's a good good even though some of the fights repeat with more of the of the same the sort of mini bosses like the cave troll. There's there's a good deal of variety again in location and actually you know the Vitorius Mendez fight is absolutely nothing like the lake monster fight as with the combat the the arenas in which they put them and and yeah the the way in which you actually deal with them i would say there's more variety than previous resident evil games where it often tended to boil down to uh you know kind of run three yards out the way and fire run three yards out the way and Mm -hmm. fire backwards there was a lot of that whereas here you've got like salazar is in a giant room and you have to there's actual observation of patterns and and uh, and working out what's most effective and stuff so yeah i'm actually a fan of the boss fights in this game um, which is unusual anybody else love or hate any of the bosses in particular i will always have a soft spot for dr Sa- uh doc- not dr salazar what's his name dr salvador, um, salvador. Ch- dr. he's not even yeah, a boss dr. really salvador. but there that's are it. nobody is a mini boss he's like a mini i boss, guess he, he is he yeah. breaks out and he comes in and depending yeah, on difficulty, there's be, one earlier on as well, isn't there? And then the, the, then there's the reason later. that I like that boss is because the whole time that I'm on that intro, all I'm thinking about is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Uh, the color scheme, the forest, the small like mm. uh, backwoods area, and I'm like, that's what he's I'm thinking more, of. And uh, all of a sudden, he breaks more, out. He's more Hessian <laughs> face than Leatherface, but yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he's a. Uh, yeah, a little bit. He's more still scared. Himself. He's still yeah, because he yeah, his little cry, his little manic cry, and obviously oh, yeah, there is there is, screen, there is yeah. a there is a leather face, uh, a strong leather face influence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, it, and it still I, makes I me would jump. Just really appreciate that as a as a, um, a, a, a partly the introduction to the game. I think the fact that it throws something at you that can one hit mm-hmm. kill you right out the gate. Yeah. That's well designed and actually intimidating. 
the emailer from the forum says Resi 4 is the pinnacle of the control scheme and design of the series origins for better or worse the tank controls definitely increased the tension and were implemented very well that tension lessens later in the game as the player's weapons and prowess grows the feeling of panic is hard to maintain when you have a machine gun and rocket launcher it's a hard game to replay now not only the escort mission but the bosses are frustrating the same controls that are so compelling versus the horde hold back my enjoyment in a set piece battle on the replay of the El Gigante times two and the chief Pitoris Mendes were the opposite of enjoyable should I mention the story it's nonsense with forgettable characters Aww. but the game seems to know and uh, to know it and lean into the cheesy dynamic it's fine I guess Resi 4 is clearly a great example of its craft. It's not my favourite genre, yet I loved it at the time. Now, I think I appreciate it. So I did want to mention, um, yeah, obviously this being an action game, I'd say there's more emphasis on... Uh, is there more emphasis on health? There's probably more There's probably more items you pick up in terms sure, of health. Sure, yeah. And this is the yeah, first yeah. game with a system that involves these yellow herbs. Uh, there's no blue herbs this time around no um but yellow herbs actually increase your health bar and that carries across multiple playthroughs as well you can either take take uh, those yellow herbs yourself or give them to ashley give yourself a longer chance to survive so it's a sort of almost rpg Uh, again Mm -hmm. that sort of dead rising reference uh, maybe maybe sort of comes into play there but i I did want to mention how there's these i think there's like two areas in the game which has fish just swimming around two or three Mm -hmm. um and it's just like a it's just such a weird little thing i know loads and loads and loads of japanese video games have fishing in this doesn't have a fishing game it just has some fish that you can shoot then you can (laughs) collect them and if you've got room in your attache case you can just eat the fish that you shot the raw fish and uh, get some health back and as i say things like the fish swimming around and the chickens it really adds life to the world i think but then the fact that they are also a little dispensary of um uh, of extra health items just that it's another yeah. really quirky little touch it you can also do things like shoot birds who will then drop yeah. ammo <laughs> like that that's, money. Yeah. that's <laughs> maybe <laughs> not yeah. the best thing for immersion not, not realistic that's okay yeah. i stood down in the sewer and slashed uh, bats with my knife for a good five minutes just because <laughs> i thought it was funny they do nothing though do they yeah. mm, nope it reminds me of with all the little items and obviously it, it can't be the case uh, because it reminded me of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, but of course oh, yeah. that came out, what, like two months earlier. Right. So, mm. um, but that also had a lot of these little items, um, like eggs and whatnot. Mm. And just the fact that there were so many more items, that's what I immediately came to thinking that it was in relation to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure what the inspiration was there, mm. but both Metal Gear Solid and Resident Evil did it. Yeah. At that period of time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess if you think about it, it does make more sense really to be eating eggs or, you know, actual food rather than some herb that you found in a barrel. I... I Gotta get that protein. Y- yeah, I mean, you mm. never know, I guess, but... Um... So there is an economy, as we say, uh, things drop pesetas uh, that you can spend on improving your weapons other bits and bobs you can also find uh treasures dotted about the place these little spinels and uh, uh velvet blues little jewels uh, there's other there's other more well hidden stuff certain enemies are guaranteed to drop expensive items there's expensive uh relatively valuable items just lying around places funny little again like quirky almost semi puzzles like the uh the the pocket watch that's dangling over a 
a, mm-hmm. a well of a well of crap. And uh, if you don't shoot the lid closed first, you lose it. But if you if you think to shoot the strut out, you get the stuff. Yeah, loads of weird things like that. Masks that have um, and and beer steins that have slots in that you can add jewels to and massively increase their value. Again, I find all this stuff oddly like really compelling even though i've done it so many times there's something about the fact that there's just the right amount of these bits and bobs in this world mm-hmm. just to keep you yeah. like just aware of the locations there's yep. these blue medallions which is i find this such a weird thing i must have collected those 15 blue medallions like eight or nine times in my life maybe more and it still doesn't make any sense why they're there. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense why there's only fifteen and fifteen of them, and why they're dotted across two areas of the game. And never again do you see anything to do with these things. Because it's, the merchant guy was climbing around, hanging him there because he didn't have uh, anything uh, else to do at the time. This is true, part of and the then he wanted to give away. Is, uh, is and then he wanted to his case, by the way. That's right, and then he just wants to give away stuff because you collect because you shot up his blue down anyway <laughs> he needed again. to give you something to do he couldn't just hand you the gun <laughs> yeah but it's kind of weird i like i've heard some interesting talk about you know games critiques talking about the pacing of a game as if um as if the player doesn't have any agency over that and of course i think there is there is a whole massive conversation to be had about the relationship between a game and the player and pacing um because one you know you there's a symbiotic relationship there um I find that the actual, while people talk, or always talk really, about the, the pacing of Resident Evil 4 being this this wonderful thing, actually it's got some weird kind of, yeah, odd kind of lumpy bits off to the side that actually don't seem to make any sense and don't have any, like, you would expect like all the collectibles to be dotted throughout the game, but no, they just have two areas at the start of the game where you shoot blue medallions and then, nope, that's gone, that's finished. It's like weird. You would, again... <laughs> Why does that work? But somehow, somehow it, well, for me it does. Um, and it's this game that has these incredible review scores. But yes, uh, so there is the merchant. Nupraptor from the forum of this uh, infamous character says, with his eccentric appearance and endlessly quotable dialogue, the merchant is the true hero of Resi 4. His presence adds context and another element of fun to treasure hunting and upgrading weapons. He has such a lot of good things on sale, but his idiosyncratic presence begs so many questions. Why has this Cockney arms dealer decided to ply his trade in an environment swarming with homicidal ganados, insect monsters and dogs with snakes coming out of their backs? Surely he wasn't making much profit before Leon arrived, as Leah just alluded to. Troll troll rejects from Lord of the Rings can't really carry many pesetas around with them after all. Actually, they do have uh, 5,000 pesetas when you kill them, if I recall correctly. (laughs) Uh, How did he persuade the Los Illuminados cult to let him install fairground shooting galleries in their properties? (laughs) And given that he is supposedly a merchant, why is he so inept at haggling? You'll buy it at a high price? Really? Cool your jets, dude. The whole of the game is better for his presence, but since Resi 4, he has sadly been a stranger. I don't want him to be tarnished by overuse, but if Capcom decide to reintroduce him to the series in small quantities, then it would be very welcome. Coming to Smash Brothers this fall. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boom. Is, are there any Capcom characters in Smash yet? Uh, Mega Man. Of course. Okay. There we go. I think that's Done. it. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not. <laughs> not up on my Smash completely, but uh... no, you're right. You're right. Mega Man is in there. Um, yeah. So uh, as well as being 
rather like the item chest in previous games in that he seems to exist across multiple dimensions. Mm-hmm. There are points where you can see him and his blue flames more than once in the same location, <laughs> which is yeah. still does my head in a little bit. Um, again, it's probably best just not to think about it too hard, especially, Absolutely. Yeah. especially the one where he's in a room and he's also next door in a room. <laughs> yeah. Makes no sense. And I, I love, they don't even try to give you any kind of reason nope. why he exists. No justification. Nope. None whatsoever. Do you and, want to and, collect and, and, 30 uh, novelty bottle caps of the enemies you fight in yeah, the game? Sure. Go for it. Of course I do. <laughs> Live your life. They, they've got speech samples. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And I assume yeah. you also make you blow him up with the rest of the island at the end of the game. So. Well, yeah. He's and got to ac- escape. He, oh, of he, course. He's oh, magic. He yeah. Anyone accidentally killed a merchant before? Or deliberately? No. You can do that. Yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah Does I he killed then one stop in the showing up? or? No, only the one that you killed. Wow. <laughs> oh. So he's probably more the... He's some kind of interdimensional. I need to, I need to think about this. Be, being, yeah, <laughs> he lives between the realms. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, we briefly mentioned puzzles. Uh, there really aren't that many, and what there is are even by Resident Evil standards, I would say, ludicrously simple. Were there any mm-hmm. sticking point? Any puzzles that you either thought were out of place or un, you know unenjoyable? Um, I thought they were all fine. Like the the combining lights one is like a nice little tiny puzzle but it's so easy it's just like yeah, yeah that's yeah. it's not it's not designed to stop you for more than about 30 seconds um, yeah there's a few yeah with those. a game that's focused much more on action a long puzzle would have really hampered the pacing i think so i was perfectly fine with how they did it, especially you know no washing machines so i was you didn't miss the washing machine no that's <laughs> yeah. silent hill you yeah. didn't miss the equivalent Quite all right <laughs> yeah Probably the one that gave me the most trouble, which is not saying very much, but um, would have been uh, the one where you have to uh, flip the paintings to get six people before oh, yeah. you yeah and and that oh, like yeah. i mean it's yeah. it's pretty obvious what they want you to do it was yeah, just yeah. getting the flipping it in the uh, yeah uh, the correct sequence the to uh, to get the sure, result that yeah. you wanted even if you want yeah even if you want to just mash you can solve that one i pretty quickly. much did yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not that it gave me much trouble it was just that yeah, probably yeah. that was the one that i spent the most time on and yeah. again not saying very much but yeah i guess that you know they're in there they break things up a little bit i think they're they're fine there's there's mm-hmm. nothing i'd rather i'd rather have a silly puzzle than a qte personally but um yeah there you go the mercenaries now Camille, I, f- I fear uh, Camille Russo, our, our friend and correspondent. I may, I fear he may be disappointed again for multiple reasons. One, because it's uh, it's late and we're recording long. Even the <laughs> Patreon version of this show can't be insanely long. Uh, and two, because I haven't been back to the Mercenaries as much as I enjoyed mm. it at the time. Uh, I know Camille is a massive fan, and I completely agree with what he says about the game, uh, which I'll share with you momentarily. But I cannot claim to be anything like the uh, the aficionado of it that he is um so i'll I'll read his points and and if any of you guys ever spent any time with the mercenaries coming after camille says the stuff that dreams are made of it is hands down the best unlockable ever created in my humble opinion let me explain why score chasing arcade games and modes tend to to demand two things from the player knowledge and mechanical skill in order to obtain a high score in a game like Resogun survival for example you need to memorize the times when the various combinations of enemies will attack you as well as being skilled enough to be able to survive their onslaught as long as possible but there's little strategy involved you mostly just react to what's happening on screen 
What makes the Mercenary so special in my eyes is that it's one of the very few modes that actively forces a player to conceive and implement actual strategies. First, you obviously need to understand how the scoring system and the enemy spawns work, but since you can't just camp out in the corner and wait for the enemies to come to you, you need to come up with the most efficient route so as to make the best use out of the limited time available to you. Optimizing your course of action in order to deal with the enemies and sub-bosses in a time and resource efficient manner while collecting the various items, time extensions and bonus chests scattered around the stage really takes some mental effort and is not as easy as it sounds. That's without even going into the different characters' unique attributes and loadouts that massively impact the way the game plays out and the interesting options that derive from them. In order to succeed at Mercenaries, you need to have a solid strategy going into it, but you also need to be able to react instinctively to unforeseen circumstances as well as having the skill and concentration necessary to implement said strategy and perform the right plays during the key moments of your run. Last but not least, luck only plays a very small part into it, which makes every score feel completely earned. All of the above combined are what gives this mode one of the most ridiculously high skill ceilings I have ever seen and make the horde type modes of other games feel incredibly shallow in comparison. I think it's an exceptional piece of software. So yeah, I played quite a chunk of this back in the day, uh, but uh, I'm certainly, I never got to the levels of expertise that Camille obviously has and mm. I haven't been back to it for a long time, but I will agree that uh, from what I did play and I did get quite hooked in it for a while, uh, there is uh, an, an incredibly compelling sort of microcosmic arcade uh, influenced sort of snapshot of the, mm -hmm. the core Resident Evil combat flow uh, in there and turns it into yeah i think a, a game that, that was kind of deemed good enough for them to build it out into a standalone title so yeah uh did anyone else play this at all no <laughs> it's really good uh, yeah i mean, I, it, I, I mean I, it is really good yeah <laughs> I mean, it sounds I, I, great I, it's just not really my my yeah my yeah bag. it's I played um, a fair share of it but it was sure. you know I'm, I'm here for the the main course and and mm. You know, the the I love that it's even there. Like they didn't need to add this. The game's long enough on its own, and it has got plenty of replayability. But, Absolutely, it's a um, huge old chunk of extra game. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's fed. Mm. It harks back to something that I've mentioned several times on other podcasts about games giving you stuff for free. Yeah. Um. So I always reference the likes of Tekken when they would give you like Tekken Ball or the the side scrolling adventures, etc. Mm. That you would get in those kinds of games, and they were always good. I would say this um, is more of most, a, a legitimate and valid actual gameplay yeah, consideration. No, than I those. Would absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. Um. And I have played uh, Mercenaries in Resident Evil Six. Mm. I yeah, I played more in five. Equivalent in five as well. Yeah, there yeah, is. I yeah, so. mm -hmm. I played it in five. Yeah. I mean, this this yeah, wasn't even the first time, but it, it perhaps lent itself. We've we've talked briefly about the this kind of unlockable add-on modes in previous games. None of us have have really invested in them, uh, other than John on Resident Evil Zero. But yeah, this is the one that, as I say, that I actually felt like because because I'd enjoyed the core gameplay so much, it made the most sense for uh, and the nature of it made the most sense to flip this out into a self-contained arcade style experience in much the same way as they added they actually it was dlc they added it to doom very doom 2016 uh, and made a similarly brilliant and compelling uh, mechanically quite yeah quite um quite similar in some ways to this uh the mercenaries mode um so that's i also recommend that so yeah, um, the PlayStation Two version that we mentioned added the was the first version to add the separate ways uh, content. 
Camille of that says, I think Separate Ways stands as the most poignant evidence of the delicate craftsmanship that went into creating the main game. It utilises the same enemies and rehashes the same areas for the most part, and yet it is a very unpolished experience and lacks the main game's signature flow and carefully constructed encounter design. The cynic in me is convinced that this was just cobbled together by different team members at the last minute in order to be able to market it as a bullet point for the PS2 port. Um, having played it through, I can sort of uh i kind of agree it does feel like that it's okay you know it's like yeah if you enjoy resident evil 4 it's worth seeing it through but compared to the area and encounter design of the main game it definitely felt substandard to me so the wii version 2007 as we say added the full widescreen Uh, magical isopod on this version says resident evil 4 is far from my favorite resident evil game but it's memorable to me for one key reason. It sold me on the promise of the Nintendo Wii. I had owned Resident Evil 4 on GameCube and I wasn't crazy about it. I found the aiming reticle was too slow and it was sort of a frustrating slog. It always felt like the controls weren't fast enough to keep up with the game. But with the Wii controls it felt more like the snappy quick action game it promised to be. The aiming was quick and responsive. I really felt like it was a large improvement. Many slam it as easy mode but it made the game fun and accessible for me where it wasn't before and now I consider it a pretty great game Uh, i completely echo this uh it's my favorite version i don't care if it's considered as easy mode i enjoy it more Uh, i find the the high fidelity aiming actually enhances my enjoyment of the game so even if it's not the purest choice i don't care i absolutely love it i think it was a genius move um and yeah i i can play it i can play the other versions just fine but i miss i miss the aiming um i actually it actually uh, aids my immersion in the game, even though it makes it easier because it feels more realistic than trying to sort of waggle this slightly twitchy laser sight uh, with the right analog stick. I, I don't understand people slamming it as like an easy mode. It is easier. I mean, look at Metro. Look at Metroid Prime. Like Metroid Prime stands out because the the Wii version is incredible. Mm. It's a, it's certainly a good use, I think, of of that tech. Um, and yeah, I think uh, it's also, you know, whereas some of the modern versions they've mucked around with 60 frames a second, which the game isn't designed in, the Wii version remains in the original 30 frames a second. So the gameplay is kind of uh, is is closer to the original vision in that regard, even if it changes that very fundamental aspect. Uh, yeah, I, th- I saw loads of copies of it in a CEX today in town for £3.50, the Wii version. Uh, it was one of those where I thought I'd, you know, almost be tempted to like buy them all up and send them to people, but I realised that they wouldn't play them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I have the 360 version. I think the PS3 and 360 versions are almost indistinguishable. They are higher resolution. I think they run in 720. Mm. Uh, you've got 12 trophies or achievements, uh, which total a thousand points. So it was it's a post. Crime. E- well, it's yeah, a it's crime. a bit annoying. Where's that platinum trophy? Come on. I know it's post XBLA, so it's not the the original when they used to limit them to 200 or 400 points. It was released as a kind of digital exclusive rather than as technically as an Xbox Live Arcade game. But mm-hmm. it is a it was a download only. Um, there are online leaderboards for the main game, but not for the mercenaries. It's a perfectly decent version to have. Yeah, but absolutely. it's probably no longer. Um, yeah, you're probably better off with the PC version now, or arguably the more recent ones. So yeah, I think in some ways the 2014 Windows version is the kind of the optimal version to have for most modern gamers in that you can play it in 30 frames a second as it was designed, or you can play it in 60 frames a second. Uh, you can use the original assets or you can use the HD assets by select, or you can go and play around with the pretty stunning uh, Resident Evil 4 HD project mod, 
which uh, somebody, apologies, I don't have the name, but go to re4hd.com and there you will see a massively tarted up version of Resident Evil 4. Uh, very sensitively done as well. Not, you know, not done in a in a kind of way that uh, you know, besmirches the original design <laughs> or, or the look of the game. Uh, I think it's... Uh, yeah, I, I've had some technical issues getting it to run, but um, that's me being lame on computers. Uh, our Jacob Geller has been playing it this way for some time and he thoroughly recommends it. And uh, even Camille, uh, based on screenshots, it has his his purest seal of approval. So, yeah, check that one out. Um, and then there's, yeah, there's PS4, Xbox One version from 2016. The only issue really with these versions, um, you know, they come under the, the uh, quote, lazy uh, umbrella mm. brackets but basically they're a perfectly fine modern way to play Resident Evil 4 but there's some quirks because you can't play in 30 FPS yeah. which arguably changes the game a little there's some oddments like the reload animations are in 30 mm -hmm. FPS regardless so they look quite weird um, I don't think can you choose motion blur on or off in this version you can on the I PC don't so. I don't believe so no there aren't very no. many options period yeah. really <laughs> Which is kind of a bit of a shame, but it does contain all the, you know, all the content of previous mm -hmm. versions. Um, and it's, yeah, it's 1080 as opposed to the previous console version, 720. So, it, but that probably shows up the assets a bit more. So, swings and roundabouts. You can play the game very well if you practice a lot. Uh, the world records, there, there's world records for every kind of uh, combination of console version and uh, region and difficulty setting, but it's entirely possible to finish this game in an hour and a half or less. Uh, there was a, a new Easter egg found by YouTuber Slippy Slides, uh, exploring Resident Evil 4 with an unlocked camera. Chapter 5 4, very close to the end of the game. Uh, the Easter egg appears to be a 2D texture of a Japanese man imitating a zombie dressed in a green jacket and blue jeans, <laughs> leading to speculate that uh, one of Resident Evil 4's developers decided to hide an image of himself in the game. That was in found in 2017. Uh, some merchandise. Special controllers designed to resemble chainsaws. Everyone remembers these, don't they? Uh, I've had, tech. yeah, I have had hands on one of those actually of really recently. you were in a game store. Uh, oh, no, okay. No, Elaine yeah. has both Elaine of has them. them. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, great. So uh, they're, they're pretty neat. Enough. Yeah, oh, no, she's gone way down the Resident Evil rabbit hole recently. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty neat looking. I, don't, I can't speak to how they play, but uh, they're, they, they're cool pieces of... Uh, Simon Sloth can. Uh, he, okay. he, he's here for us from the forum. I remember at the time of my first playthrough when the game first came out and I thought all the hype was justified. It was a revelation. I also played the entire game using the ridiculous chainsaw peripheral, which added an extra layer of challenge. <laughs> this was during the golden age of over-the-top peripherals, so at the time seemed the norm. <laughs> no, it didn't. I just <laughs> dug it out and tried to use it. It is completely impractical and a bit silly, but sits nicely alongside fishing rods and my game track device. I hadn't dared to replay it when the HD remasters appeared in fear that my memories would be sullied. So it was with a great deal of trepidation that I switched switched it on another playthrough recently. Do you know what? It's better than I remember it. This is the game, not the controller now. <laughs> uh, I, can't re I can't believe I'm saying this about a game with tank controls and stationary shooting. It's clear that a lot of care and thought went into the balancing of the enemies, the near-perfect quick turn and variety in which you can tackle each scenario. Overall, I don't have enough superlatives to express how fondly I feel about this game. For anyone afraid of replaying it like I was, my advice would be it's everything I remember it to be and more. Although maybe leave the chainsaw peripheral in its box. <laughs> 
Biohazard 4 original soundtrack was released in Japan in December 2005, containing 62 compositions and a 48-page visual booklet with liner notes from the composers. There were figures and collectibles from the likes of McFarlane Toys, uh, NECA or NECA, I don't know, Agatsuma and Hot Toys. Anyone got any Resi 4 merch? Cool toys, nuggets, trinkets? No, shame. And a couple of uh, summations. First from Marco who says, I can still recommend Resident Evil 4 today. While I have to acknowledge it's fiddly at first and some of the QTEs irritate, it offers a different experience to most modern-day survival and third-person action games. The story is fun rubbish, the written dialogue is on a par with the hilarious acting, and the merchant is the kind of wonderful nonsense I wish there was more of in video games. None of this sounds good, but somehow it is. Uh, And we have to let uh, Camille have his final say on the game. Undoubtedly, Resident Evil 6 has a more complex combat system, Gears of War, more fluid controls, Dead Space, a more spectacular and immersive audio-visual presentation, and The Last of Us, a much better story to tell. But Resident Evil 4 has something that all those other games lack, a strong sense of authorial intent, which gently guides the player throughout its carefully crafted scenarios while remaining fair, deep and engaging in a process. Its pacing, variety and attention to detail are truly unrivaled to this day. In many ways, it is an anti-sandbox game. Instead of giving the players dozens of tools and mechanics and letting them loose within a huge open world with only a little, if any, connective tissue unifying the two, it understands the value of restraint and constructs its experience around its core mechanics. It challenges and empowers the players but never gives them enough rope to hang themselves. It understands the symbiotic relationship between enemy AI, level design and encounter design as well as the player's place within it better than any other game I've ever played. Perhaps it's because, being the first of its kind, it didn't have any preconceptions of what it should be or any official template to follow. Perhaps it was the talent of its team combined with Capcom's then willingness to take risks as well as the clear single platform laser guided focus of its development. In any case, I'm not sure that rings true of the development story that I read, but uh, maybe the final version. You're right, Camille. In any case, this game is kind of the lightning in a bottle, which I don't think has ever been captured before or since. I think this is one of the medium's essential texts and that it should be an absolute must play for anyone interested in game design. Quite frankly, it pains me to see how so many of its less visible lessons seem to have been lost in time like tears in rain. In case it isn't clear, I absolutely adore this game. This is my sacred cow and my total number of playthroughs must easily be in the triple digits by now. Poor. Yeah. I can honestly say that there is no game that I have played that much, so (laughs) wow. I'd have to think about it. That's pretty cool. Plus, great Blade Runner reference. (laughs) Slotted that in there just for you. Uh, Right, three-word reviews. We've got quite a few because quite a lot of people had something to say about this game. Go, go, go. Smeg in the Head says, not Resident Evil. Third Drawing says, great big disappointment. Nicholas Cook, hand comes off. Porg of Prophecy, redefining biohazard experience. Mike Bamford, housemate fear inducer. The Monopole says, hey, you pervert. Nice. Voice nice. crack there. <laughs> it's, it, it works. Magical Isopod <laughs> says, utilizes Wiimote superbly. Kurt Peterson says, muerte, muerte, muerte. Good, good, good. <laughs> Scummy Max says, worth revisiting. Often. Alex79UK says, action, horror, brilliance. Martin Gibson says, iconic cabin defense. Will Cross says, what are you buying, strange? <laughs> Not bad. Nailed yes. it. <laughs> what are you buying? 
Stranger. Stranger. There you go. Stranger. We're all having a go. (laughs) David Merritt, still a classic. Matt Fantastic says Leon the Professional. Good, good. Uh, Eric Mickles says Napoleon blown apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Bearfish Pie, Cure de Leon. Very good. Excellent stuff. Puns, we love them. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, it's gone long. Brief summaries, uh, please, folks, uh, even for the Patreon supporters. Uh, <laughs> start with Leah. Uh, so I think that I am probably the most negative on this game, on this panel, uh, which is really saying something because I am not very negative on this game. Um, I, I think that there are certain things that have aged kind of poorly. Uh, I think that there are a few sections which can get pretty frustrating um, and occasionally repetitive. But overall, I really do think that Resident Evil 4 holds up. Uh, I, I think that it 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 just feels good to play for the most part. Uh, so... I mean, if if you enjoy kind of action shootery type games, uh, or if you if you've heard anything that uh, that you think you know strikes a chord, or that you think sounds sounds pretty good, uh, it's a very easy game to get a hold of. I would maybe say that if you are coming to it for the first time now, um, that you might want to kind of get one of the more recent versions, the uh, PS4 or the Xbox One or the, the PC version. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that even even though some things have maybe aged a little bit questionably, uh, it is still an excellent game um, and something that a lot of uh, inspiration has been taken from uh, in... in so many things since since it came out uh yeah i I definitely do recommend and uh yeah get it in your collection yeah Yeah. uh carl how about you so you said uh yeah you were actually a bit uh bit stick in the muddish about this back in the day yeah um this whole it's a strange one because as a resident evil game I don't know if I'm sold in the genre as an actual video game I think it's an absolute dyed in the wool classic um that you really people should be playing and uh, as someone who appreciates the origins and the redefinitions of what a genre is in video gaming um resident evil 4 has done for the third person uh action game what half-life did for first person shooters and what mario did for platformers like it it's on that level its influence is immeasurable in what we've seen come since and if anyone has even the slightest interest of seeing sort of the, the true inspiration behind today's third-person games, then really Resident Evil 4 should be the first you know stop that you're going at because, quite honestly, this is the game that changed everything in that genre, and that is pretty incredible. As a game, it's it's... You know, it's hammy in the way Resident Evil is. It doesn't have the monsters that I necessarily love from that series, um, but it does so much so well. So as an actual video game, I still think it's actually pretty incredible. And like I say, its its inspiration is uh, as strong as any other game has ever been in any genre. Like Resident Evil 4 is true epic shelf material. I'm probably, uh, I think I probably said something along those lines back in 2011. I don't remember exactly. Um, I think my love of the game has diminished just ever so slightly over the over the 
the next seven years. Um, that's not to say that I don't still rate this game incredibly highly. I still own it on three systems. I would probably buy it on more if the opportunity <laughs> presented itself. Uh, I would play it again and again. And whenever I go back to it, I always have a great time. But I do think there are certain elements of it which are uh, less easy for me to enjoy than back in the day uh, and the first few years after the day. Um but yeah, it's only like I'm talking about a, a very mild degradation from an out of this world God tier epic shelf 10 to a absolutely outstanding essential that everyone at least experiences it nine kind of situation. Um, so, yeah, still a wonderful time. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know how many times more I'll go back to it in the next seven years. I don't think we'll do another podcast on it in, in another seven <laughs> years, although you never know. But um, but until then, yeah, I've, I've got that thing that we, we often talk about among the team which is after you uh, record a podcast about a game that you like you immediately want to go off and play it and mm -hmm. even though I've been playing it all week I've now got that yeah I've got that thing I want to dive right back in there and get back into that amazing flow and continue to uh, appreciate the yeah the astonishing work that Capcom put into Resi 4 um, but yeah I think the, re the review scores have dipped as each version have come out over the last few years and I think that does speak to the fact that yeah if you come to this game for the first time now you might find that it isn't quite the all-encompassing uh inarguable timeless classic that you might be expecting so I think that's actually a good thing in some ways that uh expectations may be tempered ever so slightly uh let's conclude with Sean I think like uh, th this kind of thing can always change, of course, but I think for me right now, like gun to my head, what's your favorite game of all time? It's probably Resident Evil 4. Like, I think I didn't come to that realization until recently when we were playing all these for the show. Like, yeah. um, I didn't realize how special Resident Evil as a whole was to me, and it's really due mostly to Resident Evil 4. Like, everything about it kind of speaks to me as far as as the gameplay and the sound and the art and like I just kind of love everything about it and and I'm still learning stuff about it like today with this adaptive difficulty like that's just <laughs> I, I you don't even know how much that's like blown my mind like I just it's been so and the music as as sparse as it is, as it is like I just love it and I, I I've owned so many copies of it I've played it so many times like I just I, I don't know it's just it's something about it that has really it's influenced like all of my favorite games of the last few years you know as far as third person or horror design like it's just done so much uh for me and my tastes and I can't get enough of it and give me a switch version like now like where is <laughs> it uh, you know I just I I, I'll take all the ports, you know, I mean, I, maybe not the iOS version, but I'll, you know, I'll take all the ports. I'll play it every time it comes out. I'll, I'll play it until they give me a damn platinum trophy. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I love this game to death and it's, you know, as I said, this could change next year when something last of us two comes out and maybe that'll be my favorite game of all time. But for now, and I think it's pretty solid that it's lasted this long, you know, 13 years, like, in my memory as is such a special game that it's, it's definitely my favorite game right now of all time so can't put it better than that glad you went last it remains for me leon to thank carl leah and sean and of course all of you for listening and to editor jay i'm, I'm grimacing <laughs> and wincing yeah. uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast please subscribe rate review wherever you get podcasts 
best of all patreon.com slash cane and rinse uh, get every new podcast a week earlier and unabridged uh, as well as an exclusive monthly cast and some other exclusive goodies next time in issue 337 an all-star hip-hop cast convenes as we spit rhymes about ea biggs urban brawler def jam fight for ny Thank you.